everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino back here with our amazing race recap for the double episode. We're back after a uh, extra week of yadas as we are ready to talk about episodes number five and six. And I'm very excited to uh, bring in the people that are joining me on this silent rave here today. That's also what we call a podcast when everybody's listening to something and then nobody else can hear what they're listening to. Of course, joining us is our chief amazing race correspondent the great jessica least jess how are you wait wait rob we're doing a podcast because i got this clue that said that we were gonna get to host our own radio show and i was really hyped for that no 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 that that was just <laughs> you're it'll feel like that there'll be a quiz after but no we're definitely not actually doing what you expected oh that's that's Weirdly disappointing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say that. But I'll, I'll pretend to be excited. Pretend to be excited as uh, this man uh, always is. Uh, Mr. Mike Bloom. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. Hopefully this podcast is as nutritious and filling as a nice Rolex. Uh, or maybe we can Watch. at least provide the time like the other Rolex. Yes. All right. Uh, Mike talking about the confusion between Rolex the sandwich and Rolex the watch, which was one of the things that did in the big brother team of Janelle and Brittany, who were eliminated in the second hour of the amazing race this past week. Normally, we have exit interviews with the teams that are eliminated, but because of uh, travel schedules, uh, Janelle and Brittany were not able to do exit press today, but they are scheduled to do exit press coming up on Tuesday. So I'm not necessarily sure how we will uh, roll that out like an egg sandwich. Uh, I don't think that we'll do it as a standalone podcast. Maybe we'll include it in next week's Amazing Race recap. But we will get to talk to uh, Janelle and Brittany soon and be following a Mike Bloom type because uh, Mike will, I'm sure, certainly have the exit interview with them uh, coming up on Tuesday. Is it true, Rob, that their travel difficulties is that they're still stuck in traffic in Uganda <laughs> even several months after the time? We don't know. We'll find out on Tuesday. We'll find out on Tuesday. Of course, Monday is the Memorial Day holiday, so uh, no press happening on that day. Okay, so uh, we got a lot to get to. Two hours of the amazing race, two legs to talk about all of your questions and more. Uh, Jess, uh, what, what's your big takeaway for the night? Um, I think the big takeaway for the night has to be we're going to phone it in <laughs> for one whole half of an episode, put people in an airport hub and an airport hub that's basically like Las Vegas, but louder and more. Mm -hmm. Give them some very low rent things to do. Mm hmm. Just to give them a little stopover on the way to the next big destination. Now, you're referring to that was the Dubai leg? That was the Dubai leg. Yeah. In a nutshell, this was like all stuff that was like, okay, we're going to go to Middle East Las Vegas and play some video games and dress up in suits that I happen to know you can order from Walmart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had, a, I had a friend who actually was married by someone in one of those. Oh, man. <laughs> the dinosaur costume? Yes. Yes, because 
millennials. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say that I, I thought that the skydiving task was an embarrassment. Oh, you know, I, I was critical of the Mount Fuji. Is the biggest, it is the highest point here in all of Japan. And you'll be climbing this inflatable bounce house. And this was the same exact thing. Stop setting this up like this is going to be an epic task and then have it like uh, go up to the top of the building and then go in a virtual reality simulator. That is not the amazing race, Jess. It, it is not. It's not amazing. Um, but it's- it, there's nothing amazing about that, except for the fact that I looked up online how much it costs if you go up to the top of Burj Khalifa and you pay to do this VR simulator. How much? It is $150 per person. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe, you know, I did see in a secret video online, uh, the Afghanimals and Janelle and Brittany went back to the Wiz Khalifa in between legs to uh, just take a look at it. Maybe they were able to schlep out some extra money to uh, go up there and actually check it out instead of just putting on a nice nice vibe at like 150 floors and simulating it all. (laughs) I feel like you do that enough times, you really... It's like, how much did that cost the show ultimately like you have to do it four times that's six hundred dollars yeah. actually it's per person so that's twelve hundred dollars they spent playing a video game at the top you don't of think they get a group the rate <laughs> yeah. does the amazing race go on to group on before they touch down on a location to scout out the best deals <laughs> yeah man i i think maybe they paid by the hour uh because uh, the afghanimals alone might have put the production out of business yeah, and they already had to pay to like rent all those fancy cars in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. When you go there, do you really get the uh, dive instructor to uh, to go up there with you, or did Amazing Race have to book those extras? I'm pretty sure that you get a virtual dive instructor. <laughs> okay, those poor people. I, considering how hot it was with those people in those dinosaur suits, I have to feel like wearing a giant jumpsuit for no particular reason just to do a nice swerve on some of these teams was the silver medal in terms of the sticking heat that these teams were hit with in Dubai. Okay. Well, uh, let's explore the Dubai leg of the race. And everybody's on the same flight. So... That's fine. Everybody is on uh, even footing to start. And this was a- another pointless task. I did not understand this at all, Mike. Wh- wh- what is this task? Go meet these uh, uh, Dubai bros in the desert <laughs> who sit in the middle of nowhere with with $300,000 cars and do a shot with them and then get a clue. Yeah, it's basically like the Dubai entourage. They basically <laughs> cl- crash a scene of its filming. Uh, yeah, so I guess there's a they went they crash. <laughs> <laughs> These are the only dates these guys could get as well, or ones that were in that dish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I guess so. Apparently, these Shah bros like to just drive their supercars out into the middle of the desert. God help those tires. I guess they have four wheel drive and just sort of hang out and so they got to go have some tea and dates you know this was an entire uh, night leg i feel like this is what the second or third night leg we've had over the course of this season so i guess it's just a late night thing that they like to do while other people are doing silent raves at three in the morning this is what these guys are doing yeah just what what is the point of this what are they showing us i guess they think they're showing us local culture but i feel like 
Actually, no, maybe this is kind of what Dubai is. I feel like it was just a bunch of bros showing off how rich they were. Yeah, it's, it was like, so garish. Actually, no, that, that tracks. That totally tracks with everything I know about Dubai. So I take it back. It was a perfect encapsulation of the local culture. Yeah, uh, I don't know why the Amazing Race wanted to show us this. I think the Amazing Race is kind of... This is the fifth time that they've been to the United Arab Emirates. So Mm -hmm. they have done a lot of things in Dubai. And I feel like maybe the first time they went, they did a lot more culture-y things that kind of paid homage to the, you know, the ancient origins of this, of this region. And then it just became more and more like, here are all the cool toys that all this sweet oil money has built to draw in tourists. And let's show a different cool tourist toy every time we go. Like they've been skiing there and they've been they went to the water park and it's just like there's so much artifice mm-hmm. with all of these legs. It's at, at a certain point, it's like you could have done all of these tasks just about anywhere. Right. I don't know if to shoot there is this like whoever is green lighting the production in the in in the UAE is like uh, if it's not too much trouble, uh, my kid and his friends would love to be in the show. Could you could could we get them on the TV? That that, that would, those guys would would love it. I funded this project. It's a giant frame in the middle of Dubai. It's hemorrhaging money. Can you just give us a little bit of screen time? I mean, this is more plausible than anything else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So we go from there to the the giant, the great frame of Dubai, Jess. This is a cool looking thing, but I did find it kind of odd that they would say to the cab driver, take me to the great frame. And the cab driver would not know what they were talking about because, boy, I don't know what else in Dubai would be called the great frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little hard to miss. Yeah. Uh, Mike, it, it seemed like that uh, there was a big problem with get, finding the exit at the Great Frame. Yeah, I mean, it could be one of those things. I mean, I live in New Jersey. It's one of these weird things where we have like jug handles and all these things where the exits are positioned very oddly. Where once you get off one, it's really tough to sort of make your way back to things. Maybe that's how they're doing it. I just imagine a giant roundabout in the middle of Dubai that I don't know. Knowing Dubai probably has like a big water feature of unicorn sword fighting in the middle of it that they're just continually going around trying to find the right exit though for what it's worth it seemed like the only real major taxi trouble came from the sisters Riley. everyone else seemed to do at least pretty well navigating once they actually got to the task is when things you know went a bit pear-shaped yeah rachel and Alyssa really struggled uh with their cab driver to get to the exit uh but eventually they got over to the frame and uh, we get set up for our detour. Just what was it? What was the detour called? Um, The detour was it was fall or find, I think. Fall or find. OK. And uh, we saw the Afghanimals and we saw Colin and Christy. Uh, they were going to go to uh, be the first teams to go to fall. They wanted they wanted to jump off the building where uh, other teams uh, decided to go for find. And uh, we get the real big swerve here, Jess, that no, you're not actually going to jump out of the building. You're doing virtual reality. Well, I thought this was an interesting, I thought the swerve was interesting. I think 
other people's mileage have varied a lot, but I thought it was kind of cool because you did have people who have been on the show before applying knowledge of what tasks are typically like and how they know it's going to go. And then they kind of turned it upside down on them. And that was really fun because if you've watched this show for any amount of time, you know that those tasks where there are only two slots available, if you're not one of the first people there, you got to wait for the other people to be done. But if they are jumping off a building, that's going to be pretty quick because, you know, gravity. Mm-hmm. So it it absolutely the line of logic as far as do I take this task or do I take the other task? When you see other people already heading off to the one that, you know, there's only two slots available. That's all perfectly logically sound. OK. And I'm not mad at it. And th- on the same note, I think. I think deciding to switch tasks and go to the one after you, you're pretty sure it's going to take you longer to find the eggs than it is to jump off a building. That also makes sense. It yeah. just happened that there was this other component and it turned out that the jumping off a building task was really this other task that we've seen many, many times on this show. The virtual reality, quote unquote, training exercise <laughs> thing. Yeah. So I want to talk about uh, the uh, Rachel and Alyssa switching it up once they got to fi- find the eggs. Because uh, that, to me, I, I didn't think this made a lot of sense because they're already there. They didn't even attempt to go and look for the eggs and they go from like having one foot in the dinosaur costume to switching up the task. Just you uh, think that this is the right move to switch? I don't think it was necessarily the right move to switch at that point. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think like I think they could have at least tried it or they could have decided right away to go. But they I think it was. Partially, like, I can get inside of Rachel's head for this yes. because we've seen Rachel race a lot in the past. We know what she's like. I think she thought about how many gifts would exist of her running around in that dino costume. Mm-hmm. And she was not about it. Yeah. Yes, Rachel was on Big Brother. I think that that, those ideas or any sense of, you know, shame is sort of out the window at this point when it comes to wearing crazy costumes. I did not watch Rachel's seasons of Big Brother, so I do not know this, but how many weird costumes was she in? Because I felt like Nicole was right at home. I know I've seen Nicole play the game, and Nicole was in, like, if they forced somebody into an outfit across her two seasons it was always her. right nicole uh, very comfortable in the dinosaur costume that i do think that in uh, terms of the timing of rachel playing big brother uh, seasons 12 and season 13 I-, I do think was sort of free gif uh becoming a super mainstream in terms of like uh being shared on social media so it, i don't think that there are a ton of uh rachel gifts and certainly not a ton of rachel costume gifts rob she spent the first each age of season 13 grabbing onto a giant hot dog being covered in ketchup and mustard <laughs> Wait, is that, oh, is i there did see that, that one that's a gift I'm sure there's a gif of everything. I'm, I'm sure there's something <laughs> out gonna there. T- I'm going to type in on Twitter, Rachel Riley into, into the gif. I mean, I mean, I don't up. think anything has been wide stream on behalf of the Riley internet proliferation as much as Alyssa spinning up water in response to something. That's probably the most popular between the two, but yeah. I got to feel like there's some, they've back ended a lot of Rachel Riley gifts in there because she's great television as she's proved in these couple of episodes where they were, they were taking the struggle bus a bit and the struggle bus mixed their exits yeah. several 
several times over the course of these well, two let me just, I, I just I just Google image searched this. Yeah. I, I Google image searched Rachel Riley GIF. And she looks stunning in all of them. Yeah. On Twitter, if you look for Rachel Riley uh, as a gif, uh, there's a lot of her crying, but it is uh, mostly this amazing race season. Uh, it seems like that's what uh, is like her and Alyssa dancing. So there's not a ton of uh, Big Brother stuff for uh, there's a Rachel like shock face. Uh, I forget what exactly uh, that was in regards to maybe that some that Brendan was going to come back into the house but um yeah no costumes it's weird that the first thing that comes up when you search rachel riley and twitter gifts is a gif of britney yeah uh i also have i have ian terry in a dog costume uh from uh just one season later i don't know why that shows up in the rachel riley uh (laughs) but that let's we've we've digressed we're we're well well off the beaten path like uh rachel Alyssa's cab driver so uh the finding the glowing eggs task this did not seem that difficult mike this was so stupid. Like, I'm so surprised that you were, like, slamming this this Vive uh, fall side of the detour. Because, yes, I do agree that the swerve, I totally agree with Jess, that I do not resent the decision that the Riley sisters made. Because I think the Amazing Race very rarely does these types of swerves. So I think they totally were using conventional wisdom of, oh, yeah, people are going to jump off the things quickly. So by the time we'll get there, we, we there won't be any sort of backlog. We'll be able to jump off. But, I mean... It is crazy to think, you know, I think when we, Rob, you and I talked a couple seasons ago about the infamous task in Norway where they had to take the fireworks to the trolls and read them a poem. (laughs) I thought we had reached peak absurdity. I don't know exactly if we've reached it here with running around in dinosaur costumes, collecting colored, like an infinity stone eggs (laughs) from the Jurassic Park clone that's popped up in Dubai. This has to be pushing that uncanny valley right now. This didn't bother me as much as the virtual reality because yeah, that we this was advertised as being stupid and it was stupid, whereas the other thing was advertised as being epic and then was stupid. (laughs) The stupid you know is better than the stupid you don't. Yeah, the glowing eggs uh, di- didn't bother me, and I like getting to see everybody in... Uh, the- I'm here for all the Amazing Race costumes, Jess. Yeah, you know, the first time I ever saw that dino costume, I mean, now everybody has one. Like, I, I think they just sort of magically appear in your closet now. If, like, I went to my closet right now, I'd probably find one in the back of it. But the first person I know who ever had one of those um, was... Beth from the Roller Derby Moms in mm. Amazing Race 22. Yeah. And her social media for about a year was just her doing everyday tasks in that dino suit. <laughs> and it was hysterical every time she did it. Okay. So is this a, is this a switchback then? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Uh, answer this question. Uh, between Becca and Floyd, how many uh, dinosaur costumes do they own? 26. Ooh, <laughs> Yeah, listen, they're living in Colorado, and not to make too much of like a drag race superfluous connection, but one Evie Oddly also wore a children's dinosaur costume on the runway this season. So maybe the children's dinosaur costume is like given out to each and every citizen of Colorado to just wear at your convenience. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, also, I believe that uh, magic mushrooms have uh, now been legalized. <laughs> was was Spencer wearing a, a dinosaur costume when he podcasted with you early in the season? <laughs> No, he was not. He was not. Um, so did, when Corinne moved to Denver, <laughs> did she get a dinosaur costume? I think she has one. I don't know if she's worn it yet. 
I, I feel like we're also losing the fact that th- Dubai has, for some reason, decided to invest in a dinosaur park. Like this is just they wild. don't know what to buy make next in Dubai. They were thinking so much about what they could do. They didn't think so much about what they should be doing. <laughs> Well, the dinosaurs uh, find a way. Mike. Oh my god they they spared every expense for this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if there ever is a real life Jurassic Park, it will be in Dubai. It's it's true. I I got to be honest though. Like, I have been to a thing in Vegas that looks almost exactly like this Dino Park, except it was Christmas themed, not Dino themed. So, I again, Dubai is just like Vegas, but more extra. Yeah. Um, it seemed like just the only trouble anybody had was that for Janelle and Brittany, that they didn't know what the dinosaur nest was supposed to be. And it looked like that they were throwing their eggs in a garbage can. <laughs> Is that a garbage can? I don't know what they were. They were throwing their eggs. Into it looked a, like a bigger egg. <laughs> it looked like yeah, it was some receptacle that was definitely not where they were supposed to be putting their eggs. Can we also talk oh, about, like, why are there lounge chairs shaped like pandas in the dinosaur park? <laughs> Listen, they're conflating a lot of history with this park to begin with. Just go with it. They all live together. Yeah. Um, I did like here, Mike, where uh, Brett was calling out Chris for his quote unquote annoying Oklahoma accent. Yes, I love it. I think if we ever needed to know what the Cambridge High School production of Oklahoma would sound like, I think we found the answer here with Brett. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, I would imagine that Brett's mockery of Chris's accent is like, it's like the one time he did this as opposed to the 900,000 times Chris did it back to him. <laughs> well, Boston's recently voted the sexiest accent, so I think Brett's sort of like negging the Oklahoman accent. He has he has the higher ground now. Where was Long Island on that list, Mike? <laughs> I don't know if it made the list. <laughs> Do you guys know what the world's what the world's sexiest accent is? Hmm. What is it? Uh, apparently it's New Zealand. Oh. Oh, good news for Phil. Exactly. Although Phil's accents all over the place these days. <laughs> okay. So teams are going to be having trouble uh, with the test, uh, Jess. Uh, people could not seem, uh, the Afghanimals especially, to get on the same page with the five-question virtual reality test. Are we sure they know what an antenna is? It seems like, I feel like they struggled with that. Yeah, they they knew what they were looking for. After you fail the test the first time, you know what to look for. And they kept getting that question wrong. Yeah. Well, I think I think at one point they confused the satellite for the antenna. So I think at one point they were just pointing at objects around the room and like, all right, I guess that's the thing. It's like the, the meme of the butterfly. Is this an, an antenna receptor? <laughs> you know, that's not the first time. I, that That is not the last time we're going to reference that meme in this podcast, just so you know. Okay. All right. So the teams would end up going from these tasks uh, to the silent rave. Silent rave where everybody wears their own Bluetooth headphones uh, for the rave and teams were required to send somebody in to see uh, what who's dancing to the right beat first Jess silent rave is this a thing um yeah this is a thing 
This is something I know they have them in New York. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're raves per se, but I know that uh, the group Improv Everywhere had a party where you would download an MP3 file and go to Central Park and then you'd all listen to the file together and like it was a group experience. Mm-hmm. Should this be the, the a theme of the next live know-it-alls? Um. So how is that going to work exactly? <laughs> you, they're going to record a podcast beforehand and you're going to say, okay, yeah. everyone hit play at the same time and we'll, everyone will just sort of sit in their own corner and listen and react together. Make sure everybody's on one X. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't listen ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not going to that. I don't listen. I don't listen any slower than 1.5 x. <laughs> okay, maybe if everybody can agree to be, maybe there'll be like a 1.5 x section and a 2 x. Yeah, like section. a VIP section of a club, like the 2 x section, the 1.7 section. Yeah, if you're in a hurry, you need to get out of there by 9:45. You can listen to 2 x. Yeah, and then like off in the corner is Taryn Armstrong listening to everything <laughs> on 3 x. Yeah. Okay, so. Silent Rave, Mike, uh, I thought that this was uh, at least uh, trending in the right direction from the uh, detour. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, this is another thing, I guess, an advantage of the nightlife stuff is that you get to do this type of thing. First of all, the Amazing Race theme remix, they need to release that (laughs) because that is a bop and a half. Uh, I absolutely love that as a longtime fan of that theme song. Uh, And I thought that, you know... I don't know how this happened, but I mean, this is like Floyd's season. Floyd crushed this task just like he crushed the karaoke task and the dancing task. Like, I don't know if it just so happens that this season they're doing more musically based tasks, but Team Fun is raking in like all the benefits of it. Yeah, just it seems like that people were either really good at this or really bad at this. Well, I think there was a trick to it. And I think somebody like this is obviously like this task is made for someone who's ever been a drum major. Mm -hmm. But I also think it was just a matter of like kind of internalizing the beats per minute and then seeing who was moving to that speed. And it looked like there was a fair number of people that had that track in their headphones. Mm hmm. Or you just pick the guy that looks weird with the top knot and hope that he's one of them, which he was. Yeah, well, I think the biggest obstacle was that this was a room full of white people. Yes. So I'm not sure you could necessarily count on all of them to be finding the beat. Uh, <laughs> um, what did you think, Mike? Was uh, was Chris being unfair when he said that Brett was just uh, looking for the cute guys and grabbing all the cute guys in the club? Listen, they're in the desert. He can't help it if it's if he's thirsty, Rob. <laughs> they're away for a long time. Uh, I mean, maybe Chris was trying to strike back at Brett for making fun of his accent. But I mean, I'll ask you. I'll turn the question back on to you, Rob. Speaking of live know-it-alls, yes. is Brett now perma banned from karaoke? <laughs> considering between the karaoke task and now this, his his sense of musicality has decreased no. significantly from preseason expectations. He always has. He always has a place as long as he wants to sing the song. But I, but I don't know if I can put him in charge of picking people out to ask questions so that's true so exactly like, he's gonna yeah. she's he's not he's, he's very biased he's just gonna might just pick out the the cute guys uh and just i just thought that it was uh, chris was too hard on brett when he said he's just standing there like an idiot yeah i mean you gotta you gotta process everything that's happening around you yeah and sometimes sometimes that looks like standing there like an idiot <laughs> i i did love because i i think of the two people I would want to see Brett be more react exasperatedly to the react to a silent rave, and that's pretty much what he did. Right? He's like, "What the hell is this? Oh God!" <laughs> yeah, I, I I love Brett Labelle's uh, internal monologue that comes out. 
It's just, I, I'm so happy that the two of them not only have been surviving through, but they've significantly picked up their games. Yeah. That means they're hopefully in for the long haul because I feel like their characters have become so flushed out. And I mean, the bromance, what Chris has been perpetuating in his hat, we're really starting to see it, like the back and forth between them. Now that the, the packs sort of thinned out a little bit, we get to see more of these types of teams. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy that they've been doing well and that they've been shown more as a result. Yeah, I'm ecstatic. Jess, somehow Brett and Chris uh, went from like uh, they were like the dodos in the first couple of weeks. And now they've sort of like leveled up to where they're like uh, right there with the rest of the pack. I mean, we've had teams like that before that sort of like bumble their way through a couple of legs and then they start to figure it out. And I think that kind of growth arc is always really satisfying for people to watch. Yeah. So... It's been very fun, and uh, they ended up with, uh, again, two strong finishes uh, coming on the heels of the third-place finish last week. Yeah, though, you know, they could have finished in first had the other person probably picked the task, but I guess Brett was able to overcome his fear of musically-based tasks, and he was able to redeem himself to Chris next time, though maybe just because there weren't any cute drummers while they were doing the head-to-head in the next (laughs) leg. Yeah. Uh, There were a couple other people that were really good at this. Uh, Leo... Also was able to uh, come right in. Uh, I think that between Leo and Jamal, just am I crazy to think that Leo is uh, the better player than uh, of Leo and Jamal? I don't know if I would say better player, but I feel like we've talked about this a lot and I think it's less prevalent on all star seasons. But how with many amazing race seasons, you have two team members and one of them is kind of the standout personality and one of them is kind of the dud. Yeah. And I feel like this is the first season where it's really been apparent that Leo is kind of the alpha animal. Mm-hmm. And Jamal is all right. He seems like a nice guy. I'm sure he's great. But Leo's the one that gets the majority of the funny lines and he kind of does the memorable tasks. And he's kind of the first one you think of. Yeah. I feel like the Jamal has like more bluster, but then Leo comes in and aces most of the tasks that uh, he takes part in where I feel like Jamal struggles, Mike. I mean, we'll see that next episode where, you know, he definitely struggles with the Rolex. It's also maybe a thing where since their second time on the race, you know, Jamal has become a father. Maybe parenthood has sort of brought his personality down a bit, whereas Leo is single and ready to mingle, to quote another person who hung onto that giant hot dog back in Big Brother. And so he's uh, more unbridled with energy. I'll have to sort of take a look at it because I would say when it came to the extraness that I complained about with the Afghanimals a couple episodes ago, the primary culprit, from my opinion, was Leo, who seems to be just more energetic and all over the place. But I do see your point that, you know, when it comes to task balance, maybe it's more weighted in Leo's favor, though I do not think it's the uh, the, the most unbalanced team in the race. Yeah. So some people were struggling with it, of course. Uh, we saw Brett uh, was struggling with it. It seemed like that uh, Christy was another person that struggled. Well, it, yeah. I mean, we already know she's not a dancer. Yeah, not like Colin. What, Jess, what was that? I, I'm i not sure, but I, I'm not sure what's happening with them at all, ever, anymore. Just, just they're sucking the juice out of everything. That's why Colin had to not take the task. He had to suck the juice out of that nightclub. <laughs> all right. Is, is Colin a vampire? Is that why they're having so many night legs? Are they accommodating his disability? I mean, uh, he was out of control at the dance club. (laughs) See, this is where, like, you think that, oh, the angry Colin went away. No, he just got displaced. 
He's put himself fervently into his dancing, and he's just made himself calm the rest of the time. So you put him on the dance floor, and he is going to let loose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's expressing himself through the power of dance. Exactly. He's found a healthy outlet. I I like it. Okay. Okay. Uh, So... Rachel and Alyssa are uh, starting to get the sense that this might not be their leg and they might be headed towards a last place finish. And Mike, uh, Rachel is uh, starting to lose a little bit uh, on on the way over. Oh, my God. This is fantastic editing. I love this so much. And it seems like Rachel did as well. I've seen her, you know, like a bunch of comments on social media about it, but it's so fantastic. And they have to cut back to it a few times, but Rachel essentially being, uh, you know, in tears, weeping over the fact that this is it. My time in the amazing race has come to the end. Cut to Eliza, just completely, you know, no selling it. Like Rachel, please stop it. We need to keep going. Nothing's happened yet. So she, I love how she was trying to be optimistic at first and then just plainly turned to like, Please stop being hysterics. This uh, just the pairing between the two of them made for a fantastic comedic edit that I, I love that we got sort of peppered in throughout the the last few minutes of this leg. Yeah, I mean Rachel just is really going to be like talking herself into like, uh, all right, we're gonna lose, but you know, there's it's okay. We had a great yeah, time. Yeah, I mean I've I've got two observations here, and observation number one, it sure seemed like. Elisa shut her down a lot faster than Brendan would have in the same scenario. So I think I think she, the sisters have that going for them. Yes. And thing number two, this was as vicious a shutdown as Sansa Stark shutting down Edmure Tully. <laughs> Sit down, Rachel. Yeah. Sit down, Rachel. Sit down, sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I'm here. Like I want, I want a master compilation of like all of the greatest shutdowns. <laughs> and these two are like number two and number one. Yeah, I do think that Alyssa handled it differently than uh, we've seen Brendan in this spot in the past. Yeah. Uh, well, P.S. Think- shout out to my coworker who spells her name identically to Alyssa, but she pronounces it Elisa, and it keeps tripping me up, and that's why I keep mispronouncing her name. So. <laughs> That's what's going on there. <laughs> shout don't out, at me. Shout out Alisa. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe you could call one of them something else. Like I believe Rachel called Alyssa last episode Lily. So if you want to call her Lily, that might help. Okay, that doesn't help. <laughs> or Lila. Yeah. See, there you go. That. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get, let's talk about the zip line, Jess. And I, I didn't like the zip line either because to me, like this wasn't a task. It was just like a, it, it was just like a thing you couldn't pass anybody and you couldn't screw it up. Yeah, it's another thing that you could do in Dubai that costs two hundred bucks. <laughs> well, listen though, we do live in an amazing race universe where they did have this type of task at the end of season fifteen, and someone did freak out and let another team pass them and got eliminated. So it's not outside the realm of possibilities I, that I one team so. would freak out at the heights and then say, "Okay, I guess Rachel and Alyssa have to pass us, and therefore we're we're finishing in last." But it was like Team Fun got to the zip line like a half step before Brett and Chris, and then it was like, "Okay, well they're they're the in, in first now." And there's, there's no way that anybody could pass them. Right. Well, I mean, it's essentially just it's 
I mean, I'm pretty sure when they, the, the rug that they stepped on that was like $5 a dress barn was uh, essentially dress like a, a de facto, or I guess pottery barn. I'm confused. RIP dress barn. Uh, was, was a de facto mat for the leg, mm-hmm. where, like you said, it was just sort of a nice little epilogue on the end of it. But I don't know. I think it was a way to do it in style, at least to watch Floyd shriek his head off like a banshee, which I probably would do in the same case, was, was a lot of for lack of a better term, fun to watch at the end. Okay, well, Team Fun is going to be in first place, and uh, they are going to uh, g- present an award to Phil, the Philometer, Jess. What, what's your Philometer at right now, Jess? Um, are we talking before or after I had to watch Phil rap? <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> he was snapping like he's one of the four seasons while he's trying to lay down a rap. It's so dad-like, and I loved it. In the off-season, Phil is um, in the swing cast of the Christchurch New Zealand production of Jersey Boys. <laughs> Ooh, the sexiest production. Was, was Phil prepared for that? No. I don't think so, considering he rhymed one with one. Okay. <laughs> do we want? Do we want to listen to... Phil's rapping. I think we have to now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Welcome to United Arab Emirates. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Team Fun, and they are team number one. (laughs) (laughs) What's one thing that we all love? Money. Yes. (laughs) Five thousand each. And the fun meter right now is where? This is your opportunity to earn your very own Phil-O-Meter. And all you got to do is join us in the freestyle circle. Okay, the freestyle circle is what we call it. Here we, here we go. Do you think the greeter had to do it as well off camera? <laughs> May, yes. Maybe. Perhaps. Okay. They're team number one. They are team fun. They rhyme to Dubai and they are number one with $5,000. What they gonna do? Oh, we just flew through the skies of the city of Dubai. France and Phil Kogan, what a cool guy. We won some cash and we came in first place. Team fun has proven they deserve to be an amazing race. Floyd kind of rushed it at the end, too. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exactly scan for Floyd. <laughs> He could have just said, Team Fun just proved they're going to win the race. <laughs> that scans is better. What, what do we think about, because we've seen a lot of freestyling from Team Fun yeah. this season. Is, is, are, we still like, are we still liking it, or should we pull Wendell Holland and tell them to drop the mic? <laughs> Put the mic down. Dude, you can't rap. <laughs> Put the mic down, bro. I think it's great. I love it. Stop rapping. <laughs> I think they're good. Maybe Phil should put the mic down. Just yeah, Phil. <laughs> Phil is trash at rapping. Stop rapping. You're trash. Yeah, he didn't even finish his rhyme. He just said he just said with five thousand dollars, what they're gonna do, and then just didn't finish the thought. Well, he can't answer that, Mike. Only they can answer that. Yeah, that's true. Because what what's the best thing there? What did he ask them? Are, are they just going to do the zip line again? <laughs> the the philometer is at trash right now. Yes. <laughs> or the philometer is at noble right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On a scale of uh, noble to I don't know, uh, Belky is on the noble. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so the other teams are going to come in. Chris and Brett, uh, number two, stealing the the traditional uh, Victor and Nicole spot. Jess, um, I think this is great, um, and I'm mostly saying I think this is great because. I am super excited about the fact that the top two teams are two of the teams in my draft. Oh. So I'm I actually I have jumped ahead. I am leading by 15 whole points right now because <laughs> my team is so ridiculously stacked at the moment. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I might call an early win for you at the moment because you have Tyler Corey, too. Right. So, like. You got some. You got some solid teams. Uh, I mean, Phil might have to write a rap for you about finishing first in the draft when all is said and done. <laughs> Phil isn't going to write me a rap after I told him he was trash at rapping. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So then uh, we end up with uh, Colin and Christy. Uh, they're in third place. Uh, we're going to see uh, more teams uh, continuing. To arrive, uh, well, uh, Rob, what did you think about Victor showing off his luscious locks? Did yeah. you feel like a, a pang of sadness concerning him when he shaved that all off to propose to Nicole yeah. a year later? Well, Phil is like, uh, Victor, oh, let's see that luscious hair. You should have a shampoo commercial. But yeah, it's like, okay, well, we know where, we know where this is going. Victor, <laughs> for some reason, cut off his hair and is now an unrecognizable person. Yeah, if you were expecting a happy ending to that hair, you haven't been paying attention. Oh, no. And Sia didn't even give him $15,000 to do it. Oh, Sia could have given me that money and I could have got 15K, Nick. Oh, man. Babe, it's okay. Babe, babe. Oh, no. Don't worry, but there are more people in this house than there are in my town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how many times this episode did she say how many people live in her town? Yeah, Yeah, lots of oobly shout outs in this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, So we're going to end up with uh, Rachel and Alyssa, you know, heading down to the mat. Uh, Rachel's really going to pre-eulogize her team uh, quite a bit, Mike. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you bring in previous racers. They do Phil's work for them, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, they know the narrative and uh, they've been racing so well, but it's a non-elimination leg. So how do we feel about this? I feel like it's not uncommon for the race to do, you know, every other leg, a non-elimination leg. But it feels like three and five might just be a tad too early in the season structure, because now we're going to have only one more non-elimination leg for the entire back half of the season. Though, Rob, I feel like you're totally fine with that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, get him out of the way early. Yeah, it's going to move now. It's yeah. going to be like there's there's all those like middle legs where you can't remember exactly how many teams are left. You're like, is it seven? Or is it eight? I can't quite remember. And now it's like every week we're going to knock someone off. It's just going to it's going to go by so fast. I mean, you didn't bring back all star teams from these shows to, you know, save your non-elimination legs for when there's less teams. So I kind of feel like uh, use them here up front and maybe uh, have another one in the next two weeks. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I I, see your point, especially that from that perspective, I kind of wish there was a non-elimination in the first leg, but considering that would mean like Art and JJ in a full body cast walking <laughs> through the rest of the race, maybe that wouldn't have worked. But I do see, especially with a stacked cast like this, keep them together as much as possible. Though, of course, tinfoil hat people out there on the internet being like, oh, Rachel and Alyssa saved again, uh, you know, because the, the race wants them in there. I'll repeat what Jess said a couple weeks ago when we talked about the non-elimination for, like, for the first time. 
These are predetermined by production. They just happen to get very lucky that, you know, on a bad day, they happen to come zipline into a leg where there was a non-elimination at the end and they live to race another day. Okay. Uh, anything else we want to say about the first leg of this two-hour episode? Well, I've got some Amazing Race 101 to talk about. I think this it fits right quite nicely in the middle here because we kind of saw two instances of this happening and we got a few questions. So let's cue up the soundbite. Amazing Race 101. Thank you, George. Um, and... So I want to talk to the first Amazing Race 101 segment. I want to talk about cabs because this is something that a lot of people ask about. And I think if you've been watching from the beginning, you kind of take this as a given. But if you're just tuning in this season and this is your first rodeo, you probably don't quite understand what's going on here. Um, So teams, when they are on the ground in the cities, it used to be that teams would have to arrange all of their own transportation like flights and everything. And now that's a little bit, that's gone a little bit out the window, except that when they are on the ground in a city, teams are responsible for getting themselves around. And so they are responsible for retaining their own cabs. And this is probably the number one reason that teams get eliminated is they end up just dumb luck. They choose the wrong cab driver. And I would say like 90% of unfair eliminations, like ones where you think those guys really got screwed. It is at the hands of a bad cab driver. Mm-hmm. And a really good cab driver can help you quite a bit. Somebody that really knows the area and is fast and knows good shortcuts, they can save you a lot of time. Um, and a lot of them are really game to be on the show and to be into helping you out. But then every so often you get somebody who maybe it's their first day on the job, you don't really know, and they take the wrong road. They get you stuck in traffic. A lot of times you see a cab driver stop for gas and you're like, don't you understand? We're going to race here. And you've seen a lot of teams go out solely due to the fact that their cab driver wasn't totally on the ball. Is there anything, any telltale signs uh, to be able to spot a good cab driver from a bad cab driver, Jess? Um, That's a really good question, Rob. I would say that a really good cab driver is going to be someone I would say go for the person that's driving the janky cab because that cab has been on the road for a long time. Mm. And the driver's probably also been on the road for a long time. Hmm. Yeah. That's like uh, what, like big hat, no cattle. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and here's an interesting piece. This isn't really re- amazing race one Oh one, but it was something I wondered about because we saw that Janelle and Brittany and Rachel and Alyssa both had female cab drivers and they're both wearing like the pink headscarves. And I wondered about that and I looked it up and it turns out that there is like a separate taxi line at the airport um, in Dubai for women. And if you're women traveling alone or two women traveling together, you can have a female cab driver and all oh. the female cab drivers wear this pink hijab to distinguish that they are cab drivers. Now, uh, does a woman have to have a woman cab driver or that you can uh, have the option that if you don't feel safe uh, going off in with with one of these uh, male cab drivers? Well, that I was less clear on. Um, I do think that the Emirates are a lot more uh, stratified when it comes to gender lines. So it wouldn't surprise me to find out that they want women with um, 
female cab drivers, but I think it is more on the passenger side that they can choose to have a female cab driver uh, for safety reasons. Okay, because that would be a way raw deal if Rachel and Alyssa were forced to use a a specific cab driver and then that's what caused them to uh, be eliminated if this was not a non-elimination. But for what it's worth, I believe Team Fun also had a similar type of cab driver, if I'm remembering uh, the pink headscarf correctly, and they finished in first. So I feel like even within that system, it's luck of the draw. I actually, another tidbit that I heard that actually Corinne and Eliza tipped me off in my exit interview with them. uh, If you are looking for a cab and you're able to be a bit picky, make sure when you look at the cab that their gas gauge is full. Oh. Because you, you don't want them to stop for gas in the middle. And to Jess's point, it could take a little bit of a while if they're sort of taking their time with things. You want to make sure they have as full of a tank as possible so that there's no distractions or stopping points along the way to get you where you need to go. Okay. All right. Before we get into talking about the second hour of The Amazing Race, uh, let me thank our sponsor here today. And those are our friends over at OpenFit. OpenFit is bringing you something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session. Forget about bad taxi drivers taking you to the gym because you could lose the commute to the gym and let the workouts come to you because OpenFit is taking all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room or your garage, in my case, in as little as 10 minutes a day. Everybody's body is different. OpenFit gets that's that. That's why they've personalized to your needs with custom tailored original content. And you can go ahead and get a 30 day free trial membership to open fit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days. When you text the word Rob to 30, 30, 30, they've got amazing trainers and classes about however you want to uh, start to exercise. Super simple. Forget all the complexity and stress around getting fit and just press play to work out on your schedule. Forget climbing up 232 stairs, 600 seconds with celebrity trainer Devin Wiggins, not Rick Devin's Wiggins, uh, to pack in the fat burning muscle building and body sculpting benefits of a much longer session into a fraction of the time. You can access it anytime, anywhere, and results you can see. You can lose up to 15 pounds in the first 30 days, flatten your abs, shape your body, look and feel great. OpenFit is going to change the way that you're working out. And with the promo code Rob, you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use that code Rob to start using OpenFit on your journey to a healthier life. And hopefully it will be a uh, non-elimination journey for you as well. Right now during the OpenFit 30-day challenge, listeners will get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit. You could lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text the word Rob to 303030. Again, that's full access to Open fit, all the workouts and nutrition information, totally free, more fun than anything you're going to do in Dubai. Again, just text the word Rob to 30, 30, 30 standard message and data rates may apply. All right, let's move on to our second leg of the amazing race. And we are off to Uganda, Jess. It's a brand new country for the amazing race. So that's exciting. That's that's exciting. But Tyler and Corey recognize uh, right up front that there are reasons that they are not excited about Uganda, Mike. Yeah. So a bit of a background on this. So they, they talked about this a bit, but I believe I believe that uh, Uganda 
government has a persecution laws in effect that essentially persecute against homosexuality, uh, at least from a practicing format. You can't really be out in terms of the activities that you do or you'll face a, a certain penalty by law. And not to throw too much shade at them, but it has been pointed out by people online after the fact that the place they happen to be coming from in Dubai does not exactly have the cleanest record when it comes to those types of human rights either. I mean, I guess what you can say about all this, I can understand why they put it in here because this is Tyler and Corey's really big leg. They even say, hey, it would be great if we end up winning this leg here in a country that essentially does not allow people like us to behave in our natural ways. Uh, So I can understand why from a story perspective, they put it in here and maybe not really mention it in Dubai. It's a little odd that it wasn't really, you know, uh, mentioned even by Phil as like a PSA at the end. But this was a fantastic leg for Tyler and Corey. And I'm glad that that everything meant so much to them and that the amazing race stars aligned to have them finish in first here. Because I agree, not only was it extremely meaningful for them to have a victory here, but also for them to sort of get the cultural experience to realize, hey, maybe... You know, we judge this country by the laws that we see from an external perspective, but internally, there are people in here who are good, who might not exactly be in agreement with these horrible things that are happening. It just, and we saw uh, Corey especially uh, very affected by this, uh, even on the way to Uganda. Yeah, well, this is something um, I think I have a few more theories of why we got this narrative in this country at this moment. And um, one of the things is that on Tyler's YouTube channel a couple of years ago, he actually Tyler is someone who is very well known for his LGBT activism. And he is he is an advocate for uh, equal rights. And he did a series where he interviewed refugees from various countries. And he did speak to some teenagers from Uganda who had left the country uh, fearing for their lives because they were gay. And so this is something that kind of, I think, hits close to home for them, particularly like not only who they are personally, but it's something that they are a little familiar with the laws. Um, And also they've been to Dubai before. I think they knew what to expect. And they I believe uh, my understanding is that the Amazing Race crew has a person who is dedicated to security on the ground wherever they're going and briefs every team on what to look out for and this was something they had been briefed on in both countries that um, homosexuality is still a crime in both places and that it's something they need to be aware of and they had gotten that warning the first time they went to Dubai in their last season and so when they went to Dubai I think they were already a little comfortable because they knew they knew how the people would be. They knew what the culture is like. They know most of it is very westernized. And I think they felt a little more comfortable in their own skin mm. because they had run a leg of the race there before. But then they get to Uganda and it's a little culture shock, even without this on top of it. And they're not sure exactly how it's going to go. Like they know that these laws are in effect, but they don't know, like, how heavily they're enforced necessarily or what the criteria would be. How would they, you know, how would anybody even know? And I think that kind of puts them a little on edge. I can understand exactly why they would feel that way uh, going into the leg and getting that warning. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think is going on there. I don't think it's necessarily 
I don't think the editors or Tyler and Corey intended to single Uganda out. And not for nothing, they won a trip to Singapore, which P.S. has those exact same laws on the Mm. books. So Mm. not a great week for uh, progressive policies for the LGBTQ community. So anyway, I I think all of this is to say I don't think we should fault either the editors or Tyler and Corey for bringing this up in one place, but not another. I, if anything, it is the editors that are responsible for that, ultimately. Uh, but what, is anybody they, saying, oh, well, hey, how come Tyler and Corey don't say anything in, in Dubai? Oh, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Shame on you people. Shame on shame on you. That's ridiculous. You don't know what's what they say. They also weren't exactly like look. They don't exactly have a list up of, OK, oh, these are all these countries that have, you know, criminal offenses against being LGBTQ plus. I think that to your point, Jess, you know, they obviously knew of this stuff in Dubai. But I think Tyler has such a personal connection to Uganda they knew how special it was to touch down there in particular. So I also wonder if this was affected by the fact that I'm pretty sure these two episodes were not meant to be together, considering that we saw yes. sometimes with these two-hour blocks, they usually just cram them together and just sort of show them as one big thing. Mm-hmm. But this really seemed like two separate episodes. Yeah, including with a previously a next, on. Yeah, yeah like a next time on yeah. and a previously on, yeah. if you don't remember what you saw five minutes ago. So I feel like if they separated, you know, this, if there was a separate episode or separate six days or so between these two episodes, it might be a little less egregious. But yeah, I would say to all the people out there who are trying to <laughs> at Tyler and Corey and saying like, why aren't you talking about yeah, what's going in Dubai? That. Yeah. Like d- 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 don't, no need to do that. There are other <laughs> things to get angry about that are much more important. It is not their fault. And I'm, I'm happy that in the first place they were able to bring up these things considering how important they are. It was a good moment. I think it was worth reflecting on and you know if you want to start doing that you could unpack something about just about every place they've been and every place they will go um including our own country so maybe we don't want to go down that road maybe this is not the show that is but every once in a while i think it's important to highlight right okay so we are off to uganda and uh, the teams are going to be uh heading out to the taxi station and they are off to go to the mosque and now jess it seems as though tyler and Corey, a uh, very very smart team always well prepared seemed like that they they knew that there was going to be a possibility of that they might have to know the steps uh but maybe they got too cute Maybe a little. Maybe a little bit. Did the Amazing Race know that this is a thing that people like look on Wikipedia and see, oh, 304 steps. So they mark off like a, a random number of steps. Well, I think it's more like that was a lot of steps and maybe too many to rely on people to count correctly. Uh, I think that sweet spot is somewhere in around the 300 step range and there were a lot more steps than that. Mm -hmm. And that's my only thought. But I do think there have been enough challenges where if you open an amazing race clue and it tells you to walk up some steps and answer a question at the top, I think you should know by now what that question is going to be. Yeah. Unless you're Brett and Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that. They don't know. It, it, to be fair to Brett and Chris, like, uh, you know, uh, amazing race experts. They are not. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it was just, you know, they've been doing a great job, but I still think there still might be a minor separation of experience between these amazing race teams and the others concerning that yet another non-amazing race team went home here. And unfortunately, we saw it here firsthand where Brett and Chris just sort of rushed ahead, ran up the stairs. Chris was, uh, you know, yelling in his 
caustic Oklahoman accent to get (laughs) Brett's ass up there. And by the time they got up there, they realized, oh, not only did we miss the clue, but the clue also said we had to count the steps instead of just taking them two at a time. So they They had to completely do it again. They didn't get the clue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, lots of recounting uh, for them. Some of these teams are going to get it on the uh, first try. Like Nicole and Victor, Colin and Christy, uh, they're also going to nail it. But Jess, uh, Janelle and Brittany, more problems with taxi cabs. Um, Yeah, well, this is actually uh, this was kind of insane. Like, it looked like the taxi cab wasn't even in the same part of town for most of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, because we didn't see any kind of traffic for anybody else. So I don't know exactly what route that taxi was taking. They were like swimming upstream. Yeah, seems like it was it was a weird edit, though, because it seemed like they did get there last, but then they beat a couple teams to the market. So maybe their taxi driver found another way. But yeah, it it was odd that apparently, according to this edit, they were the only team to experience this standstill traffic where apparently they were just sitting there in the entire time while I think they said in a secret scene that like the bigger cars own the road. So I guess this poor taxi cab was just getting bullied by larger vehicles of transport. Uh, and they just had to sort of sit there and take it and wait for an opportunity to uh, to wiggle their way through. That just happened to really put them in the back of the pack. OK, so Rachel and Alyssa, we're going to also uh, struggle with the step counting here, Mike. Yeah, so this is almost like part two of the quiz thing, where I guess an unintended consequence of the quiz was that you have the team members sort of quibble over, okay, which is which one of us has the correct answer? We saw that with the Afghanimals, and we see it here, where I believe both times Alyssa was in the right, and Rachel was unfortunately in the wrong, and Rachel decides to acquiesce here after nearly having to go back and do it again, but they do wind up getting the step count here by listening to Alyssa get them that much quicker to do some laundry. <laughs> they were uh, way off on uh, one of their earlier guesses. Yeah, I forgot what they said. Yeah, like 240 but I don't... or something? Like, I don't know. How they <laughs> like, uh, 270 versus 272 makes sense. I guess they didn't know whether you should count the step with a red stripe on it, Jess, but uh, it seemed like that they uh, really uh, got a little uh, careless with the step counting the first time. I could see like being wildly wrong in the other direction, like maybe you didn't see the markers or something like that. Yeah. But it it seems like it would be very hard to skip thirty steps. <laughs> and then there was a point where I, I feel like they didn't realize they were both supposed to be counting. And it's like if you're both going up those stairs and they want you to give them a correct number, you should both be counting and then you should check it against each other. And it didn't seem like they did that every time. <laughs> that's either. good. That, that's, that's a good idea. All right. Uh, let's go off to the uh, Soweto restaurant. Uh, Jess, uh, we get a lot of this on the amazing race of uh, go to the, the big open market and then uh, you're going to prepare a meal. And we've already even seen it on this season. Yeah, it's a popular feature on the amazing race because almost every city has one of these yeah is it a good feature is this exciting it's exciting because it's chaotic and because Mm -hmm. it puts you directly in contact with locals where i would take a i would take a go to the market and get the ingredients task over a task celebrating the quote-unquote nightlife of a city when it's just a bunch of extras in a room I would take I would take the market every single time. Mike, how do you feel about market challenge? 
I love market challenges. Maybe that's just, uh, you know, lasting from my love of supermarket sweep. But I think it's an interesting way for them to interact with the locals as well. And it is a bit throwing them into the chaos. It's like back when they used to do the India legs where they really tried to throw them just in the middle of swarms of people to really get them overwhelmed and make them feel like, okay, we're not really in Kansas anymore. And then they added a sort of extra effect on here as well, where they sort of combined not only the shopping roadblock, but the, you know, make this delicacy slash you know uh make the ladle part two roadblock where they also had to <laughs> make the rolex and serve it up as well which some of these teams proved they could do one but not necessarily the other yeah okay so teams are looking for ingredients they're they're gonna be uh cooking uh it seems like just that the hard part was uh rolling out the dough it seemed like it, although Victor had a moment uh, where he was the butterfly meme guy, where he holds up a tomato and says, is this a tomato? <laughs> yeah. It almost felt deliberate uh, with that. But let me just say that after I watched this, I Googled what is a Rolex sandwich, and I then I Googled where can I order chapati bread on Seamless? Oh, you're going to make this? I, I might have to. Uh, yeah. Because... I think, okay, you guys know how Josh Wiggler is about pizza. Yes. Mm -hmm. I am kind of that way about breakfast sandwiches. Mm, Okay. I did not know that. I feel like I could eat bodega breakfast sandwiches for every meal, and I would be totally satisfied with that. Yeah. So when someone basically gives you a task that is make a breakfast sandwich... I'm like, yeah, I, I would not only do that, but I probably wouldn't hand over the sandwich at the end of the task. I would probably eat it. Can they eat it? Or is it like, nope, you have to give it to the guy? I'm surprised nobody asked. Like, I'm really surprised because I'm thinking back to like season 25 where you had Robbie, the professional wrestler, and every single task they were at, he's like, can I take this? Can I eat it? Can I eat it? And he's always got a piece of food in his hand. Or, uh, or Gus with the beer back in season six. Yeah, exactly. Like, how how do people get through beer tasks and not drink the beer? <laughs> I, I'm so intrigued by this naming because this was another swerve, but this is more of a cultural swerve than a race swerve. So it's is it really called Rolex because it's short for rolled eggs? Does that really sound like that's why they would name it that? 100%. Well, do they, do they speak English in Uganda? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They so do. I yeah, mean, they, they speak many local other local dialects as well but the english i think is the national language yeah i mean the word rolex was spelled out on the uh thing so it makes sense that you know it wasn't like uh any sort of uh different spelling or anything like that right so i guess the question is like do you think they the people who created this and make these mean to get confused for watches is that bringing in business that that you're looking for a watch oh happen to sit down and eat our breakfast burrito yeah, I don't think that happens a lot in Uganda. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, not sure how many people in Uganda are familiar with the uh, Rolex timepiece either. Probably Folex. Uh, but we might as well segue. This is a very nice segue, actually, into the second of our Amazing Race 101 segments. Hit it, Mike. Amazing Race 101. Okay, so. Amazing Race. What is the first rule of Amazing Race, guys? Always read the clue. Yes. Very good, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) That's what everybody loves. Yeah, that's what everybody loves. First rule of Amazing Race. Always read your clue. Clearly, not everybody loves that. Um, So 
We need to give people Actually, a little bit Brett of background. Actually, for should we revise the rule, Jess, of uh, rule number one is always get the clue? <laughs> Find the clue, then read it. Yeah, then, yes. then read it. We can't do one without the other. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to tell people out there listening who, for whom this is their first season of Amazing Race, we need to tell people a little bit more about what happens when you rip that clue open and you take out the paper. Because... I don't think it's 100% clear when you're just watching and you think like, I think what happens ultimately is a lot, looks a lot stupider than it is, although sometimes it can be pretty stupid. So basically, when you open your clue, you will have a sheet of paper that is folded up and you'll have the main sheet of paper with the logo of whatever the next task is. It'll be a detour or roadblock or head to head or or even uh, root info is the one that's kind of default, like go to the next location. So if you open up a task and it has a roadblock logo on it, there's going to be a short sentence on that clue typically. And same for detour. It'll just have like the two options with a little brief description of them. So you open the roadblock task and it says, who wants to find a Rolex? And that's the only thing you have to go on to decide who's going to take the roadblock. Although if you're at the task and you can see other people doing the roadblock, you can kind of gauge what it is and who should do it. But sometimes literally all you see, you see that one sentence that says, you know, who's who's ready to find a Rolex? You choose the person. And from there, once you've chosen who can do the roadblock, you can't go backsies on it. At that point, you can open up the sheet of paper that has the more detailed instructions, which Mm -hmm. you typically do not see on screen at any point. So that sheet of paper will have all of the rules of what you need to do to complete the task, um, where you need to go to get started, and what will constitute completing the task. That's all compliance. That's like game show law. And this will typically be pretty detailed. But if you don't look at it, then you're not going to know what you're supposed to do. And I think this is the problem that we saw here with the confusing the watch for the sandwich, because I think the very first thing on that sheet of paper was surely the traditional Ugandan delicacy of the Rolex sandwich. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, she was not the only person to confuse the two. I know Victor was the one to, again, really point out that oh. roll plus eggs equals Rolex. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, we don't eat those in Ubli, babe. Uh, but I think that, I, I guess Janelle, I think it was just an unfortunate storm of factors where, yes, maybe she didn't read that additional information, but I don't understand why. I mean, she was in it at a certain point. She probably got there, what, like fifth or sixth? Why did she not see what the other people are doing? Realize, oh, we're cooking something and decides, nope, I need to go look for this watch. Clearly that has to do something with what we're eventually cooking. Yeah, that that boggles my mind. I think at that point she may have gotten lost in the market, mm-hmm. and I think she didn't know where anybody else was. Like they got there, they got their clue. There may not have been other racers around, so she takes off in the market, and then she doesn't know how to get back to where she is to find that stand. I think that might be what happened, and then at that point she's flustered. She's not looking at what it actually is. She's not stopping and rereading it, and I think. This is an important thing for anybody that thinks they might someday go on the amazing race. And, you know, Rob, that might be you someday. Maybe. So pay attention. Okay. If you're in this situation where you have no idea what the F you're supposed to do at a given time, stop and take a deep breath and read every single word of every single sheet of paper that came in that little envelope. That's Steven's job. That's, He's the that's reader. 
Yeah, you don't have to read anything, Rob, unless you're on the unless you're doing the roadblock oh, yeah. and you can't find Stephen. So you need this is for you too. <laughs> you can't count on Stephen to carry you through the whole game. I'm more of a visual learner. <laughs> yeah, well, they have a demo. You okay. can usually watch the demo, but that's I think that's if you get caught up in something like this. I think the first step is always to get that clue out and reread it from top to bottom again. And that will hopefully set you right. And that's something that Janelle could have benefited from in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. There's also going to be a speed bump here on uh, this leg for Rachel and Alyssa, and they're going to be forced to do some laundry. You know, Mike, back in the day on the Big Brother, the Big Brother contestants actually had to do laundry by hand. Does that mean our next speed bump is going to be throwing CDs into a pool? <laughs> Wait, yeah. what do they do now? Or uh, take care of a pot-bellied pig? So I, th- I think that they, uh, I think by like Big Brother two or three, they added a dryer to the backyard. Uh, yeah, but they used to have they used to have a clothesline. Yeah, uh, I think that either their laundry gets sent out or uh, they have a washing machine. Also, that being said, I'm. 85% sure they just did the cruise laundry. Like, you'd have to imagine the crew is just like, all right, two birds with one stone. Let's get them to wash our clothes. And that's why there was so much of it. Well, just Phil, why not? Phil made it sound like uh, in this speed bump that uh, the te- Rachel and Alyssa are going to have to do laundry and then they're going to have to find a place to dry it. And good luck in this market. But the, the clothesline was was right above where, they, where the thing was. It was. This was not a hard part of the challenge. But they're, they're, no speed bump is ever as hard as Phil makes it sound. Do you know one time that they made them eat ice cream for a speed bump? And they still effed it up. <laughs> <laughs> but Phil made it sound like, boy, uh, it, it is slim pickings for clothesline space in this market. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with that. But no, uh, very easy. Uh, although you need uh, incredible forearm strength, Jess. Yeah, they didn't really check that laundry very thoroughly because I think they were hanging it up. It was like suds were just falling off of it. Did your sponsor this week include the laundry workout with special celebrity guests Rachel Riley and Alyssa <laughs> yes, Slater? That's why those uh, Ugandan women have such great forearms. That's why they're in such good shape. Ah, it all makes sense. The Ugandan laundry workout. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like that episode of Nathan for you when they tried to create that fitness craze out of moving boxes. I feel like that's what they're trying to perpetuate here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're going to see some of the teams struggling a little bit more. Uh, Jamal is uh, not the uh, guy you necessarily want cooking the eggs, Jess. I mean, like we said, uh, Jamal tends to bumble and Leo tends to ace. Uh, I want I, I want somebody to run the numbers on that because I if we're wrong, I want to apologize to Jamal. But I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah. Also, Victor, at one point, Mike, uh, like, looks like he put his hand, like, flat on the stove. No, so I think what Jamal did was he was getting so frustrated with his chapati that he dropped it on the, the oily skillet. And I think some oil splashed onto Victor, who was uh, right next to him. And Victor lost his cool for, like, a hot second and got pretty damn pissed at him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he dropped the B word also. Not used to hearing that on The Amazing Race, but I guess that's part of being in the nine o'clock hour. Also, can we talk about the fact that Floyd dropped his on the ground for a hot second? <laughs> Maybe that's why they weren't offering to eat them when they got it done with it. <laughs> Maybe. I, I saw what you did at your station. I'm not eating that. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, so teams are going to start to uh, head away from uh, the uh, the market. And now it's off to go. And uh, either uh, Mike, what what's this detour? So the detour is either salty roll, which is you master gutting and cleaning and you put uh, a fish in more salt than Corinne and Eliza had the last pit stop. Yes. Uh, versus move the pole. <laughs> Which is where, which is uh, surprisingly the most full bloom name of a detour task <laughs> yeah, this that's season. That's why I asked you. <laughs> where they load wood onto a bike, deliver the wood, and then stack them in a nice little, as uh, as Corey and Tyler put it, a nice Jenga-like format. Yeah. All right. Salty roll or move the pole. And uh, we're going to see everybody just uh, go ahead and move the poles except for all of the Mom Squad members. Yeah, that seemed weird to me. Like I, I'm thinking like the same woman who cried for half an hour about the possibility of losing her hair extensions is going to roll up her sleeves and like handle fish for an hour. <laughs> her dad taught her to fish, or at least, or at least how to gut a fish. <laughs> they made quick work of it. I don't think they had too many problems. Yeah. So the teams are going to have to uh, move all of the logs from uh, one area to another uh, with the help of a of a bicycle. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a sloppy day. Uh, just Colin seemed to feel like uh, not just uh, muddy, but also uh, fecal matter is uh, mixed in here. No, Colin needs to grow up, although... <laughs> I, you know, I've seen Colin, I've personally seen Colin walk through worse mud than that. Yeah. Um, is it dirt or is it poop, Rob? Mm, we don't know. We don't know. The age old question. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brett and Chris are happy, Mike. They like this kind of work. Yeah. I mean, this was when a couple of weeks ago, actually pretty damn predictive on our parts when we said, okay, what are each of the teams going to be good at? This is before Brett and Chris had their big upward swing. We said, they're going to pick things up and put them down. <laughs> and they were able to, to do so here. I mean, everyone's know seen what's in the, the wheelhouse. Yeah, you I mean, guys are burying seen... the lead here, though. What's that? Because are, are we talking about boss who... lady or are you talking about Colin almost melting down? I'm not even talking about any of that. Who had the biggest comeback this week, but Floyd got to transport some stuff on a bike and not die. Yeah. Oh, that's true. This has just been one big Floyd redemption story, or this has like been Floyd's coming out party the entire season. Yeah, that uh, so far uh, this whole race is uh, very much trending in the Slumdog Millionaire uh, for Floyd, his own personal <laughs> story of everything that he's learned. You know, it's, it's all in his wheelhouse. Yeah, well, I'm I'm team team fun, so I I'm here for it. Yes, okay. So uh, we're gonna see the teams uh, stacking up the wood, and uh, we're gonna have uh, Rachel and Alyssa working on uh, the salty roll. Eventually, uh, Janelle and Brittany are gonna head out there. Also, uh, anything from this detour stand out to you, Jess? Um, this seemed pretty bog standard for a detour um the firewood stacking reminded me of another firewood stacking challenge that we had many many seasons back 
um, that I believe was like half of a U-turn detour and people would stack up the firewood and then like they'd turn away from it for a second and then it'd all come crashing down. So this mm. seems like a much more practical way to stack the firewood. Yes. Harder to screw up. Harder to Why screw did up. they need that much firewood? Are we going to... Uh, do you think Uganda is going to experience like a, uh, a Jacare level burning eventually with all the firewood they're stacking, Rob? Mm-hmm. Be careful out there. Be careful. Okay. So we're going to go to a head-to-head and this is our second second or first head-to-head of the season and jess were you pumped up for the return of the head-to-head rob if they if they cut the first head-to-head for being boring how boring was that (laughs) (laughs) they cut that one and aired this one yeah i mean this was basically everybody who played the first time other than tyler and Corey would lose and then beat whoever they play who was doing it for the first time. I, it seems like that there was yeah. a learning curve of one game for everybody. So I'm so torn because from this because from a head-to-head concept, I actually was a fan of this. I remember talking about this last season when we first broached the concept of a head-to-head, how you know those two last time, I wouldn't say they were necessarily beastly physical so much so that Brett and Chris would, you know... Take care of everyone who went through it, but that was the infamous freight race with the dollies, and that was the uh, the bocce ball that they played. And this one, I'm happy that they at least went with something that's more of a puzzle. It was sort of an amalgamated version of Tower of Hanoi with these colored drums, but it at least was something that didn't necessarily require a little bit of physicality. But that being said, it was so easy that to your point, you could just do it the second time, and you said, okay. You know, I was doing it well the first time. I just need to do it again, but faster, which I'll automatically do since I know exactly what I need to do and will not flounder, unlike my opponents. So mm-hmm. the results are completely was unsurprising. That the salt yeah, exactly. That's on a salt roll. It's a little surprising how, again, you know, if they chose to cut this, uh, not the last one, they chose to cut the first one, but not this one. I guess they had to go for, I don't know, if you have like the mom squad all step on the mat at the same time. Maybe that's why they had to keep it in there. This one would seem by far less entertaining from what we've heard from the badminton one. So I will say I think this this one in concept was okay, but I think was a little bit of a thud just because the puzzle was not complicated enough where you saw one team really flounder and lose several spots as a result. Jess, uh, I also thought that this was not shot particularly well, uh, and uh, I just think it was hard to follow what was going on. That I think we needed to be wider on this. Yeah, and I think there was just too many things. There was no there was no good focal point if you're going to be that close in uh, because there were so many drums and so many colors and then there's like a whole circle of people behind you. You really didn't know what to look at here. No. Well, don't worry. Phil's there to recap it all for you. Yeah. Well, oh, Phil. We What's Phil, Phil worse at? Freestyling or narrating? <laughs> well, Jamal's moving over with the green old drum and he puts it there. So much fun. <laughs> We also had the graphics on the screen of uh, who has what color, but uh, I wasn't sure if you had to put them in the right size. Oh, yeah, but you could. It seemed like it didn't matter if you put a large uh, drum on top of the small drum. So 
there was just a lot going on and uh, just uh, it, it completely followed whoever was the second team to do it uh, was always the team that lost. So congratulations to Tyler and Corey for winning it on their first try unlike any other team who played this. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, their first win of the season. It came a bit later than it did in their first season, but as all these amazing race teams have said, they feel like this season has been much harder than anyone that they've done before. And I feel like Tyler and Corey, after being, you know, you turned in leg two, I've had a, a really solid streak so far. And so I'm happy, very meaningful for them to get a first place finish. But yeah, I mean, on top of this as well, I don't want to beat a dead horse or a dead fish too much. I think we made our thoughts known about why putting a head to head at the end of the leg is not a good idea. And it shows here as well, if you have an anticlimactic head to head leading to an anticlimactic finish, it's just a really tough last 10 minutes to watch. Yeah. Is the head-to-head working, Jess? It's not working here because they're doing it wrong, but I think our interview with Phil demonstrated that they're not particularly interested in what we have to say about what would constitute doing it right. So, Which would be in the middle of the leg? Yeah, I think it needs to be in the middle of the leg, and then the last team waits out a short penalty. Still gives them time to make up time if they're very good at the at the detour, but... It's really putting it at the end of the leg is just like there's not enough of a chance. Like the last person there is definitely the last person and there's no race about it. Mm-hmm. So I I think they need to try it at the middle of the leg before they completely write it off altogether. But I'm trying to decide what I hate more. A task that does affect placement that gets cut so we don't understand why people finished in the order they did. Or a task that does not affect placement is boring and gets left in. Yeah, uh, I, I think that what they're really going for, Mike, is when it's like, OK, this is it now. It's it's Brittany versus Rachel for elimination. I feel like mm. that, that that is like the the final battle that gives them a, a big dramatic moment to end the episode. That's a good point. It does provide stakes because, you know, you'll say, okay, this directly is going to lead into your elimination. And I think they also happen to benefit from the fact that these were two teams who had history together in some way, shape, or form. And I was particularly heartbroken to watch this mom squad get broken up. And as someone who, as we mentioned before, followed Brittany and Rachel's history since with Brother 12, it's so interesting to see how they sort of ended their reality TV journeys together. Uh, Mm -hmm. But so I understand, like you said, from like an entertainment perspective, and we did have those exciting moments of like Henry and Evan beating the the goat yoga people in in the freight race. I just feel like maybe we're like one for three so far in terms of entertaining outcomes from this, and we I guess we'll soon see. I don't know if this will be the last head to head of the season because there were only two in Amazing Race thirty. Are we going to assume that there's one more, or do we assume with the cut head to head that this is it for the season? I think we get one more. What do you think, Jess? I don't think we can assume anything. Uh, We might get another one, or we might not. I think they don't necessarily want to inundate us with them. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that's potentially interesting with the head-to-head, like we saw with the free race, uh, just what what team was that? Was that Scott and Brooke that they had to keep doing it? Who was it that... uh, No, that was Henry and Evan that kept losing and losing and almost was eliminated. That's right. I I think that that was really the most dramatic that that we've seen it, where where if you do it right, it's like the more times you do it, the harder it is, and you have the the potential of a team that just shows 
shows up could beat a team that got their second or third and potentially, you know, uh, just completely have a meltdown, which is also going to be good TV. But, um, you know, you're not going to get tired from badminton or putting the drums in the right spot. You get uh, better at that stuff. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. All right. So if we're going to give more notes, uh, do it in the middle and do something that you get tired the more times you do it. Yeah. Um, I think the combination of learning curve plus tired is really fun. Okay. All right. So ultimately, that's going to be it for Janelle and Brittany. Uh, Mike, they really never found their footing on The Amazing Race. I'm a little surprised that they picked Brittany to do this one, considering that Janelle is known for being this this big brother compie, still a record setter, to the point where I'm looking at the roadblock totals now. Uh, Janelle did five. And Brittany did two by the end of the sixth leg of the race. Do you think they made a mistake in not putting Janelle on the puzzle to face off against Rachel? <sighs> Hard to say. Maybe Brittany feels like, hey, oh, this is my thing. I have this app on my phone and this is something that I'm really good at this. So uh, but great point about Janelle being uh, having the resume in terms of competitions. Though also, to be fair, and again, maybe we're just sort of filling in the blanks until we both get to talk with them on Tuesday about it. Janelle was probably pretty darn exhausted physically yes. and mentally from the from the market. So maybe she felt like she couldn't really do it. Maybe they felt like the, the, the actually more the, the more valuable person was the one standing outside of the drums, the one that was sort of coaching their teammate along. I'm not entirely sure, but it'll be interesting to hear from them as to considering both of their respected big brother backgrounds and the fact that Brittany even said that she's not exactly an Olympic runner in terms of athleticism why they went with what they did but yeah Brittany and janelle it seemed like they were constantly hovering around the middle of the pack and when you get down to eight teams the middle of the pack is is elimination territory and unfortunately it was just a couple of bad factors that fell their way and that's how they ended up going out here jess anything else to say about the uganda leg of the amazing race um well i honestly i feel like we saw so little of Brittany and janelle this season um that i feel like as someone who didn't watch their seasons of big brother i don't have a great handle on who they were i don't know the greatness and i feel a little cheated out of that yeah yeah they really just talked about being a mom and uh actually uh, we heard Brittany talk a lot about uh that uh her daughter's uh uh childhood cancer uh, which is, uh, you know, I, I didn't know about. Uh, had they mentioned that uh, prior on the race, Mike? I don't think prior on the race. I believe I gleaned. I think her first child's name was Tilly. Uh, is Tilly. She's still alive. Uh, and I think that it had been mentioned on social media, but I can't remember because the last thing we really saw of Brittany on the show was I remember in Big Brother 15, she did like the, hey, let's do a baby Vita because I'm pregnant. So I don't think they've actually mentioned that on either show up to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Brittany, very good uh, perspective on the whole thing. Uh, not my worst day here today, losing on The Amazing Race. Yeah, I, I, I liked that. That was heartwarming. Okay. And it was cool. It was cool as well, because I know that, Jess, to your point, you know, we probably know the two of them better than you do, but it was cool to see this side of these two that we didn't really even know to begin with. Because, again, from when we saw Janelle and Brittany so many years ago on Big Brother 14, the dog costume season, they, you know, they were not parents yet. They behaved a bit differently. So it was cool even from our perspective, sort of like from from what we're seeing with Colin, to see, like, what happens when you go through a bunch of life changes over a significant amount of time between television shows, what happens to them? And from this perspective, we got to see what Janelle and Brittany as moms are like. And that was... As someone who's, you know, grown up watching them, that's pretty cool. 
Yes. And, and, uh, and as a new parent. Yeah, that's very true as well. I can uh, <laughs> look forward to constantly saying, you know, as a dad, I want to I want to do things for my son every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think I think Rob and I both understand a little more deeply the struggle that comes with becoming a parent and then having to figure out how that works into your personal brand. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> okay. We have a lot of questions from the listeners of the podcast. Of course, uh, Jess had the uh, thread on Twitter. We've got questions from the Rob is a Podcast patrons. And uh, we're going to dip into our uh, episode five and six mailbag. Mike, did you realize that uh, coincidentally, much like Survivor, that the uh, double episode of the season came for uh, outings uh, number five and six? It's just like Survivor this season. Didn't realize that, though I guess uh, one did not get sent out with like an express pass in their pocket. Uh, the other one was not, you know, a deadlock tie being forced for the U-turn, which I feel like, not to get a bit too speculative before we move into these uh, these questions, that U-turn vote feels like it has to be coming up, right? Because mm-hmm. we saw it on the This Season On, and I feel like I was discerning the background. It might be happening in the next couple legs, but we haven't seen it at all in the first half of the race. Yeah. Um, I thought it was in Uganda. Like, that's where I thought they were. So, oh, so maybe it could be the beginning of the next, next episode. Uh, just one other note to, uh, in terms of Survivor. Uh, and if this does track, then things are looking very good this season for either uh, Rupert and Laura or Eliza and Corinne. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Rupert and Laura are going to come back and the final task is going to be, how well do you know elephants? And Rupert's going to come back and he's going to take it I all. I hate you, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's start off the mailbag. Um, I want to kick things off with um, one of our favorite contributors, Hot Nuts. Woo! He wants to know. He wants us to rank these unnecessary Amazing Race fakeouts in order of unnecessariness. <laughs> um, season 16, the Cowboys are thinking they're going to play legitimately legitimate polo, but instead are forced to move wooden horses. <laughs> P.S. That's really season 24, Hot Nuts. Um, season 22, final leg, everyone thinking they're going to meet Obama. Yeah. And they just, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's just a cardboard cutout, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And season 20, Dave of Rachel and Dave thinking he will actually fly a helicopter. Yeah. Um, and just and then I, jumping off of Burj Khalifa. Yeah. Can I submit also, was it was it when Brendan and Rachel came back for the all-star season? It was, uh, it was season 24 where I think that they were in Italy and they told them they were going to the racetrack and then it was remote control car racing. I think that. No, no, that was, that was the gladiator. That was stuff, the polo. That was that was the. <laughs> That was the wooden horses. The, uh, oh, that was the, the same thing? Polo. Okay. I think so. But there, wasn't yeah. there also something with the remote control gladiator chariots as well? That was a very similar Yeah, they were chariots. I think that's what, I think that's what all, all three of you are erroneously thinking. You, the two of you and Hot Nuts are all on the same page with this. Um, and I, I think the Cowboys were the most disappointed about that. But I would, I would posit that all of season 24 is the most unnecessary Amazing Race fake out because they told us we were going to get a fun season with teams we liked doing a really hard race. And we didn't get that. Yeah. Well, that somehow ended up with uh, Natalie Anderson uh, winning Survivor. So I guess it's uh, all's well that ends well. Yeah, that's a good trade-off. Yeah. So, so for power ranking these, I'm going to put the Obama one up there first, because I feel like it's probably the biggest fake out to think that you're going to be meeting the leader of the free world, only to find out that you're meeting a two-dimensional version of them. 
but the Burj Khalifa, I might have to be second because I feel like the virtual reality of the Burj Khalifa was much more of an artificial experience than, you know, the wooden horses or the remote control helicopter. Those are at least you could like posit how similar they are to the real experience. This feels, this is literally virtual. <laughs> yeah, this was like the N64 golden eye of uh, <laughs> bungee jumping. Yeah, odd job, n- no no grenades on the Burj Khalifa. Yeah, it was also something, like, the way it was described sounded like something they would actually do on The Amazing Race. Yeah. I think that's where the big fake out came from. Nope. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Sorry, Leo. He's like, we're going to jump off the tallest building in the whole world. Virtually. Didn't happen. <laughs> Virtually. Yeah. All right. So let's see. We we tackled a lot of this. Like, I think we've talked enough about the head-to-head placement, but we did get a lot of questions about um, I, several different people asked us, uh, do we think that the deck is unfairly stacked in favor of the Amazing Race veterans, like either in terms of casting or in terms of just the fact that having been on the race before gives them a leg up? I mean, what are they going to do? Yeah, it, it does kind of like you either cast all people that have never been on the show before or all people that have. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's tough because like they cast these teams that were entertaining and at least some people wanted to see back. But the unfortunate thing is they became so entertaining because they were around on the race for a long time. So they were inherently good at the amazing race. Like unless you cast five first boot teams to race against the Survivor and Big Brother teams. Maybe they would have been in the same boat and that they only ran one more leg than these teams. But I guess to answer the question, I mean, if I were to, like, posit a top four at this moment, though, I would definitely put Nicole and Victor in there. I feel mm-hmm. like they are right up there with the other Amazing Race teams. And I could say that, you know, Chris and Brett are on the upswing and they can definitely sneak their way in there. Rachel and Alyssa, maybe not so much. But I would say, you know, even though we've... Outside of Art and JJ, we've only seen Survivor and Big Brother teams go home so far. I'd say don't count out a non-Amazing Race team making their way into the finals, if not winning outright. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mike, I would even say that I don't think the problem is so much in that they cast absurdly strong, experienced Amazing Race teams that went far. But maybe they should have cast some Survivor and Big Brother teams that could hang. I think Nicole and Victor are a good example of that. And, and, you know, we always say we don't want a lot of like boring dating couples and Nicole and Victor are definitely in the niche of the boring dating couple, even though I How dare love them. You, and Jess. I, I kind of want them to go far because they're great, but I think that they cast way too heavily on personality for the rest of the survivor and big brother teams and maybe didn't think hard enough about who was actually going to excel at the race. And I think Maybe we needed a little more balance in that regard. It's hard to say. I mean, you have uh, Janelle, and we talked about her as like a uh, a comp beast previously. So she's somebody that would be really good. Rachel has demonstrated herself to be a really strong competitor on the Amazing Race, uh, albeit with Brendan as well. And you also have you know Victor and Nicole who have done uh, very well. I mean, Brett and Chris are holding their own. I mean, we only, it's just small sample size. We only pick three from the other shows and we have five from The Amazing Race. Yeah, that that's true. You know, and, and in terms of learning curve, it's like, uh, you know, we saw with, with Brett and Chris that they they easily could have been eliminated in the first couple episodes and they had to sort of like, uh, you know, get a few legs under their belt. 
Yeah, and it's nice that they are getting the hang of it. I think the I think the darkest timeline has all of the Survivor and Big Brother teams going out first and never getting their legs under them. Where I think I think everybody's doing better than they were. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, maybe that's another reason why they had these non elimination legs early on as well as to sort of give a reprieve to these Survivor and Big Brother teams of if you're not doing well, we'll give you a second chance. Keep on keeping on. And I mean, the one thing that I will say the Amazing Race team still have an advantage over the other teams with is everyone's getting tired. I mean, Janelle and Brittany were talking about it this season or this episode where they were saying, you know, we try to think back on the leg and realize what we need to do and improve upon. But we're just so damn frazzled and exhausted that it all just goes in one ear and out the other. A lot of these teams that are left have made it close to the end, if not outright to the final leg. So they're used to that, quote unquote, killer fatigue. And even though there might be, especially the Survivor people might have experienced it in a different way, they haven't experienced amazing race fatigue yet. So I feel like that's the, the still the, the sole advantage that they have in terms of experience over those other teams. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So next up, we got a little another little Amazing Grace 101 tidbit. We don't have to play the drop again. But Holly uh, Tooker said, I loved this double episode. I have a question. Partners can't aid their partners in roadblock, but it's OK in a head to head. And I thought this was interesting, too, because I think we don't have a lot of precedent for this because we haven't seen very many head to heads. But I wanted to get your take on this. Uh, do we think that they should have been able to help each other with the with the head to head or even potentially switch off on round two. Hmm. Well, they the, some of them did. Chris and Brett and Leo oh. and Jamal both switched partners when they moved over when they lost and did it for their second time. But should they be allowed? Um. Yeah, I still think so, because I still think it's inherently a team activity. And I think some of the team members caught on to that and that they were coaching their team members from the sidelines. I mean, the the three head-to-heads that we've seen so far, two have been individual and that one person was completing them. And one was team-based where they were switching off, you know, rolling the bocces. So I feel like it's still inherently a team thing. I don't think they want to throw another roadblock in there. I mean, I think it's it's fine, considering, you know, Dude, how... It's fine. Yeah, I think it's I think it's considering how hard and fast the rules are about Roblox to the point where Brittany could not, you know, open her mouth and tell Janelle, hey, look in front of you at the freaking stand that says Rolex on it. I think that's where we can sort of save every, everything else in the Amazing Rates is supposed to embrace teamwork and working together. I feel like let's keep the roadblock as the sole, you know, exception to that rule. Yeah, OK. Yeah, I, I had not honestly noticed that they'd switched off, but, you know, a lot of that, again, was very hard to follow. Hey, and and for what it's worth, Jamal and Brett, who I think both have been labeled as uh, two of the more goofuses in the goofus and gallant pairings on their teams, both pulled it off for their teams. So it was a, a little bit of a, you know, redemption for both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it adds to the excitement of the head to head. It's a it's a free for all. Yeah. Oh, all right. The head to head is a free for all. OK. Mm hmm. <laughs> Good enough. Um, let's see what else we got here for questions. Um, the great John John wants to know. John John. Yeah, on a scale of one to five oofs, how many does Janelle get for mistaking looking for a real Rolex watch? <laughs> I think she's just excited. Uh, you know, I think that uh, she's like, okay, this I know. All right. Uh, Rolex, I got this. And, uh, you know never would think that a Rolex is the same. I mean, if I was out there, uh, you make a great point about reading the clue, but if somebody told me, okay, you guys are going to look for a Rolex, I I would never get that that's an egg wrap sandwich. 
Yeah, I would say I called it a three oofer until she actually got to the watch stand. And the fact that she actually went there to that point, I think upgrades it a bit to four. But we're not getting into five territory yet. Yeah. No, we we save five oofs for Phil rapping. Yes. Uh, she also nailed the sandwich uh, seemingly very quickly. Yeah, it's always hard to tell. Uh, I think it's hard to tell if the editing was just like glossing over it or if she really did do well. But I will give her the benefit of the doubt in that she did do well. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll bring us home with one question here from Brian Kobik, who says, having lived in Uganda for two years, I could not be happier that Amazing Grace has finally reached the Pearl of Africa. Nowhere else can you find such warmth and gracious hospitality. Which new countries would you like Amazing Race to go to next? Oh, Lord. This is going to be like our own quiz as to what countries has Amazing Race not been to yet. Hmm. I'm stalling for time because I'm cheating here because I did write this down at one point and I'm going to go find it. Have they been to Wakanda? Um, I don't think they're allowed to go to Wakanda because the visa requirements are so strict. Hmm. Well, that, technically, spoiler alert, Wakanda has now been open to everybody. So maybe, I mean, they, they could what? They could stack vibranium. Uh, they can, let's see. I mean, they could go to Sokovia, but that's kind of in ruins as of late. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So do you guys want an answer with real countries? Sure. Because <laughs> in 2014, back when Fiji? I was Did they really ever go to Fiji? I've always wanted to see a reality show in Fiji. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, my God. Fiji would be so amazing. Especially if they just put them on a beach and have them do a bunch of, like, random (laughs) challenges as a head-to-head. Head-to-head. These are the... these. uh, Speaking of head-to-head, these is the native (laughs) Fiji gods of of Fiji. Uh, They call them uh, (laughs) Rob and and Sandra. (laughs) The detour is Rob or Sandra. (laughs) Throw out a fish or eat Fafaru. <laughs> You'll have to scale this mountain of pizza. <laughs> no, Phil, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm quitting. I'm taking the penalty. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I, I'm what's gonna, the real country? I, I, I almost think that this is anticlimactic now. <laughs> <laughs> no, for do do it for uh, for Brian. All right, I'll do it for Brian because Brian deserves a real answer. Um, basically, in 2014, back when I really cared about impressing you and keeping this job, yes, um, I actually did go through the United Nations list of recognized nations and marked off where they'd already been and where they hadn't been yet, and then of all the places they hadn't been yet. Why hadn't they gone there? Could I come up with a good reason? Mm-hmm. And I came up with a short list, and I was wrong about a lot of things. Like I listed <laughs> out some some countries that I said I don't think they're ever going to go here because it's not safe, or because the visa requirements are too strict, or because there's not enough infrastructure. Right. And I was wrong about some of these. Like in the meantime, they have checked a couple of these off the list. Like okay. they have been to Georgia, they've been to Armenia. Mm. They've been to Zimbabwe. They're they're doing pretty well um, with my list. But a couple of places that stand out to me as places that they could go that they haven't been yet. Um, I would say I'd like to see them go to Bulgaria uh, or Slovenia. Slovenia in particular is a beautiful country and 
there's a lot to do there that I think they'd have a field day on the race. I'm surprised they hit Uganda before they hit Rwanda because Rwanda has far better infrastructure and seems to really want tourists to start coming. So that was interesting to me that Uganda ended up there first. And now I think because we've been to that part of Africa, it's going to be a couple of years before they try to go back there. So we might be waiting a while in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. Have we ever been to Vatican City? I feel like there was maybe one test that took place in Vatican City, but I'm not sure. I believe so. Okay. Okay. that That would be an interesting option as well. Right. Right. And then, of course, there's a lot of places that are on like my personal bucket list that are completely unfeasible. Like, And I think I've heard Phil say he would love to see them go to Bhutan, but that's just never happening. Um, and, you know, some place like out in the middle of the South Pacific, like Fiji, but not Fiji. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, it would be a really fun thing to tick off their list to go to some place like Pitcairn Islands or... Samoa, but mm. the logistics of that just don't make any sense, and so I don't think we're ever going to see it. Okay. So the concept of going to Samoa is not going to Samoa? The concept of going to Samoa, <laughs> not going no. to Samoa. And Phil has said he wants to go to Antarctica, and I'm like, okay, my day job, uh, they go to Antarctica for that, so maybe I can hook you up, but I, I don't know how that exactly... I've given it more thought than the average person. I think I have a feasible solution, but I don't know that we'll ever see it. Okay. Next week on The Amazing Race, Mike, it looks like that uh, we're going to have the big brother teams that are remaining are going to be getting into it if uh, the trailer tells us anything. Yes, yeah, so we are going to Europe for the first time. You know, we, we spent some time in Asia. We went to the Middle East slash Africa. We're going to Switzerland, it seems, doing a bit of a swinging there, some epic adventure, Whoa. as has been said. And I guess if our theory about the U-turn vote happening next episode is to be believed, that could be some rationale behind a Matt argument between the Rileys and Victor and Nicole, which is a bit surprising. I thought we experienced our biggest Matt drama with Corinne and Eliza and the Rileys. Before we go, though, Rob, I'm not letting you off the hook too much because we've got to do our Know It alternate universe for this special double episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a week off, so we're a little, we're a little out of step. But we could do this pretty quickly. Uh, so let's let's start in Dubai as Stephen and Rob enjoy the nightlife. So let's go. Let's say that you guys had a great time talking to all the to Turtle and E <laughs> in the desert uh, with their very nice cars. So Jess, do we think that they would go for fall and sort of get tricked into doing all virtual reality or would would Robin Steven dress up in dinosaur oh, costumes and run around Jurassic Park? We'd definitely not be doing or just as the guess. I, yeah, I, I have so. to guess, but I'm pretty sure that they wind up in dinosaur costumes. Yeah. That's easy. I, oh boy, could you I cannot imagine you and Steven Fishback in dinosaur costumes. <laughs> I can. And and it's glorious. Well, I, I well, mean join me in my imagination, Mike. This is great. Well, well, the thing is, I think we haven't noted the fact that Steven, at least from his token sheen's appearance, runs very weirdly. And so the <laughs> fact that he had to do so in a dinosaur costume just keeps piling. It's a sprinkles on top of the Sunday. That would be great. Yeah. It would be All great. All right. In terms of the roadblock, 
Uh, as you said, Rob, since I guess you're more of the audio person, I can only assume that they probably put you in the headphones to look for the person beating along, oh, right? Oh, boy. Oh, easy. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that uh, I, I, I think both Stephen and I would, would have a lot of trouble here. You, you think you would have a lot of trouble discerning who was bopping live? Yeah, you have to feel like yes. you're Wandolf. You have to channel Casey Kasem to figure out who was uh, to the beat. Right, right. I think it would, it, it would be a struggle. Well, let's say that you did survive the lay. It's a non-elimination anyway, you guys. Ziplined your way down. Phil rapped about you. You're making your way into Uganda. Who do you think is going shopping for the two of them? Jess, who, who do you think is going to be the one to find and make the Rolex? Um, I think, well, I think based on the question, who wants a Rolex, uh, I'm, are we assuming they have any context whatsoever about what the task entails or are they absolutely, just going absolutely the not? No. Hmm. Absolutely not. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Steven takes this one. He doesn't know how to cut an avocado. I hope he knows how to chop up the vegetables. <laughs> yeah. He might have to get medevac for shaving those vegetables. <laughs> Now, do we think, Rob, how do you think Steven would do in like, do, how do you think Steven would do in like the chaotic, crowded marketplace? I mean, he, he originally, uh, you know, he comes from New York City where he lived for quite some time. Do you think that's an environment he could get used to or would he get overwhelmed by it? I don't it, know. Like, I really don't know how he would do in terms of cooking. I, I don't really know a lot about, uh, wh- you know, uh, what he eats or anything like that. It's a mystery. I do know that I do know that Rob's not taking the food challenge. <laughs> well, I, I well, I actually know how to cook, and uh, I would say that if it was even between uh, me and the first lady of podcasting, I would uh, bet on myself in the cooking challenge. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, uh, but that being said, uh, I have no idea what's what Stephen. Uh, I know Stephen eats at restaurants. I don't know what he does in, at his home, at home. And we know what happens after he consumes some food, especially on Survivor. So maybe he would stay away from the Rolex as well. Uh, and finally, for actually second to last, the detour, salty roll versus move the pole. Jess, which option do you think they take here? I think 100% they move the pole. Interesting. I would agree. Uh, I think that Steven uh, opts for any challenge with fish. More on after brand. you got well after you guys you know sat through catching the fish in Vietnam you think you try again dip your toes in those waters once more mm-hmm. yeah I think that's his <laughs> he thing. has a he has a brand I guess to stick with it a uh, final question head to head so again you guys have the option to switch out but who do you think of the two of you is going to be the one actually moving those drums in the head to head and depending on which one of you is going to be standing on the sidelines giving advice a la sophie with coach during survivor south pacific yeah <laughs> jess you want to guess for this one um i'm gonna guess that steven is calling the plays and forcing you to do all his monkey work no i i think that's that i would not feel comfortable with this because if i if i lost this challenge i would never hear the end of it from steven so i would have to put steven would look at this as a mental task and that he would have to be he wouldn't trust me to be in on this one so this could be steven's leg to shine then between the roadblock and the head to head Mm -hmm. yeah yeah or get us eliminated. So. Yeah. Because <laughs> I could live with Steven getting us eliminated. I couldn't live with me, uh, with, with us getting eliminated because it was my fault and having to hear Steven fish back every uh, time I ever talked to him about like, oh, you had to be the one on the puzzle. 
Yeah, do you think is that is the knowing it's know it all title on the line if you guys race together as to who eliminates the team overall? Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh boy! All right, well that does it for the uh, the know it alternate universe for the double episode. But we'll see when the know it alls go European next week exactly what that might entail for you guys. You're still in the race at this point. We're back to just one hour next week on the amazing race episode number seven. Uh, what are we going to get up to? Twelve episodes, Jess. Um, yeah, I think that's typically what we do. Um, I have heard, in fact, that um, this upcoming leg, uh, Corey tweeted out that he this was his favorite leg of the entire race and one of his favorite days um, as a amazing racer. Just do we know, are, are we going to be doubling up uh, at any point or are we going to potentially get the amazing race finale on the heels of, uh, I, I, so Big Brother 21 uh, was announced that they're going to have a two night premiere, the 25th and the 26th. So mm-hmm. uh, if we stayed on one episode a week, uh, that would only be the 11th episode of, of the amazing race on the night of the 26th. So I wonder if we are going to uh, double up again. My understanding is we're going to double up at least one more time. It'd be a two-hour finale. That I was going to say. I think if they had their druthers, they do a two-hour finale. I think they usually like that, where they do the final elimination going into the final From leg. Nine to eleven, so, though. I, I mean, they've done it before. I would not be surprised if we did a Big Actually, Brother eight to nine and and Amazing Race nine to eleven. Uh, you know what? Uh, so I believe, Mike, that the uh, uh, Big Brother is airing at the nine o'clock hour on those first two Wednesdays of the season. I wonder if the Amazing Race is going to stay in the eight p.m. time slot. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we should also announce that. Yeah, the Amazing Race started at eight p.m. this time because of the double episode. But from now on, it has taken Survivor slot at least for the moment uh, in the Wednesday eight p.m. So set your DVRs accordingly. But we shall see. I mean, it's not like Amazing Race 30 where they were doing so many double episodes, but it's still crazy to me that we're already looking at the back half of this season uh, <laughs> as we sort of segue from one one reality show to the other. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Big Brother is going to be airing uh, at... I'm sorry. So Big Brother is going to be on at 8 p.m. on uh, Wednesday, the 20 uh, Wednesday, the 26th. So sorry about the confusion. And then it is moving to Wednesdays at nine starting on July 10th. And then also that I believe that's going to be the week that Love Island is premiering. So we'll figure CBS is going to be throwing us for a loop. So hang in there for the changes. Yeah, Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Yeah, try to keep up. We'll try to keep up. <laughs> As Phil's snapping along. The, the Amazing Race is always the, you know, find us. Uh, we're going to keep moving the time slot. See if you can find us viewers. Yeah, though I will say, I, I don't know if this was officially announced. So feel free to, to cut it if, if it's not official. But I believe Gold Derby said something during the one week break that Amazing Race might have been renewed officially for season 32. And it's premiering during mid-season next year. Don't hold Allegedly. me to Yeah, that. that's official. That's that's 100% official, Mike. Okay. Oh, perfect. So congratulations to The Amazing Race. We'll at least be back to talk about season 32, though it won't be until winter 2020. Okay. All right. Great job here tonight. Jess is on Twitter at Haymaker Hattie. Uh, Jess, you working on anything else right now? Um, not right now. I'm working on uh, packing for vacation. That's about it. Okay. All right. The great Mike Bloom, he posted an article today about 25 must see Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. It was vetted by Angela Bloom. She gave her thumbs up as well to Mike's list. Mm-hmm. Asher gave his Asher gave his little thumbs up too. So he's only seen a, a, a little bit of Star Trek. So yeah, in honor of 
Uh, the day we're recording this, May 23rd, was the 25th anniversary of the series finale of Next Generation. So I posted uh, the 25 best Next Generation episodes. Uh, I don't know if you guys read it, if, if I represented your best episodes well, but I had a lot of fun getting to compile that. Okay. All right. So uh, that was the airing of the uh, tw- 25 years ago today, the finale of Star Trek Next Generation. And... Uh, just uh, that, in, in my mind, uh, universally well received. Right? Nobody, nobody was like worst finale ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, we weren't. We didn't have the internet back then. Yeah, I guess so. So, so there was like, oh, yeah, that was good. That was good. There might have been somebody on a, like a BBS talking what? about it, but the timelines. It was so stupid. Yeah, so, well, I can imagine uh, they were probably receiving some strongly worded letters, but at that point, that it's moved so much into Deep Space Nine that they sort of. Uh, didn't necessarily care. But yeah, nobody... What was the point of, course, of the Borg? And they didn't even have them in the finale. Yeah, and maybe there was a there was a water bottle left during the poker <laughs> game in the final scene. <laughs> yeah, the crazy times. Besides that, I'm also... I have my head firmly in the Survivor pool. Uh, we finished up the Survivor season proper for Edge of Extinction with having Eric Stein... Uh, Mr. Yes, Oof himself good. on the B&B. A lot of fun with Liana Boris there getting to break down all the zaniness that happened from that three-hour finale and breaking down the season as a whole. But also internationally, we have kicked off our coverage of Survivor South Africa Island of Secrets with Shannon Gates. And I'm happy to say that our very own Rob Sesternino is going to be joining us this week to break down the second episode with us. Okay, I'm excited. I'm pumped up. Watch the be, first episode. Fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the Island of Secrets. Yeah, I mean, it's considering, you know, how... But how experienced you are in covering things like Ghost Island. It'll be interesting to sort of garner some comparisons between them. Uh, there's certainly some craziness going on, not nearly as much zaniness as season six, but still a lot of great Survivor to check out. So if you're looking for stuff to check out in the meantime, between season 38 and 39 of Survivor US, there's a lot of international Survivor out there for you to uh, roll up and promptly bite into. Okay, it's like a Rolex, yeah. There you go. All right. Great job, uh, Mike. Great job. Uh, Jess, anything else? I think we're good. We're good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Take care. Thanks, Scott St. Pierre, for putting this all together. Bye, everybody. Tonight's episode of Rob's Podcast is sponsored by our friends over at True Car. Every car comes with its share of stories, like that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, that luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer long. Now, while you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or to trade it in. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details just pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof. Watch as they bump up your car's value. High mileage, you already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it's going to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead. And once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you could take to a local certified dealer to cash out or to trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas.